you know where you are? Do you know where you are? is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 88. It is Brando. And you know what, Ms. Metal? I should have had the sound clip of the 88 miles per hour from Back to the Future, I just I, I think in in clips that's what it should have uh, came to uh, to mind. But <laughs> I do actually have this uh, Back to the Future sound clip when we interviewed uh, Jimmy Ashurst. This is heavy duty, Doc. This is great. Because we found out Jimmy Ashurst from, of course, the Juju Hounds had a cameo in Back to the Future. I had no idea until one of you, a listener, informed me, and that's what uh, I mean. I think we're a little bit more than. You know, we're 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 good listener, host, acquaintance. I don't know if there's a term for us, Miss Metal. Uh, you're our official co-host, but you are the reason why this episode is happening. And that was just my weird segue into uh, the listeners helping create this podcast. 88 episodes into it, it's absolutely insane. So you helped up, helped set up uh, junkyards. David Roach. Yeah, it's, it's coming it, up. In it a few certainly minutes. surprised me as much as it surprised you. I inadvertently. Uh, put that, you know, uh, tweet out there. And to my surprise, he responded, uh, or I should say junkyard responded. And, uh, even after, you know, my Twitter dumbness, um, you know, tagging the wrong person in it <laughs> still managed to, uh, hook you guys up to, to talk about, a, an interview. So that was, that was great and unexpected. That's how this world works. I, we've mentioned before how, you know, I say we as in me and maybe, uh, Scotto at the beginning, how we would get certain guests, some of them through our radio connections, just th- some through emailing management or calling, uh, some just through Twitter. That's how we initially got Charlie Benanti. And, you know, as I alluded to before with my shoehorning my uh, Back to the Future segue into how fans contribute to this show, all you did was tweet and said, hey, be on this show. And they were they were into it. So, yeah, that's good. That's very cool because I'm I I have to learn. I learned from you. I mean, I knew of Junkyard loosely, uh, but I wasn't. I mean, I I was never going to be like create a podcast around Junkyard. <laughs> I've never, I didn't have yeah, that kind that of was, dedication um, to it. So you've taught me. Yeah, that was my hope. You know, because there, I feel there are so many great bands, hard rock um, bands that came out around the time of Guns N' Roses, and uh, so many of those bands, unfortunately, just kind of got the shaft. You know, with grunge coming into play and the early nineties and so on just didn't have the backing, um, and the support I I felt and, um, you know, great band that, you know, I have known since, you know, their uh, debut album in 89 came out, um, certainly with a lot of ties to the band. We know and love, of course, Guns N' Roses, you know, being on the same record label, Geffen records and, um, having apparently even, uh, done some shows together. And, uh, so definitely wanted to get the word out about junkyard and, uh, been uh, 26 years i believe since their last yeah. uh, major label debut they've had a few uh you know um self-released uh records you know in the meantime but definitely wanted to get a, the word out about junkyard i think a lot of people who are into guns would certainly um enjoy junkyard as well so wanted to get the word out about them yeah absolutely and you just never know where a story is going to go 
And that kind of uh, leads into, because you might just think of a name that you're not as familiar with and be like, whoa, they have, they had this kind of life. So it's a nice little segue into news. You know, even though I'm the one pressing the button, it still scares me. I don't, I can like lower the volume or something on that. So uh, briefly, yeah, uh, briefly, whether you, you know, you found us on alternativenation.net and I want to thank uh, Brett over at Alt Nation for, uh, I guess, of course, always, you know, either, either retweeting or sharing or making an article about our interviews. But now uh, I'm uh, contributing, um, I don't know, uh, writer to it, I guess. I'm basically just uh, transcribing some interviews that I do and just putting it in article form, you know, uh, more or less. So uh, there was an, a nice little article we put out about uh, how Roy Orbison Jr. almost got into a fight with Flea three times. Uh, and that's just one of the random stories that comes up because Roy wanted to talk about how he, um, as a 15-year-old, while his dad was recording a record during the week, a band no one knew yet that would turn out to be Guns N' Roses would be destroying the bathroom on the weekends. So that's just <laughs> – that's the shoot – that's the way to get the GNR story in there, but you just never know where it's going to go. So uh, very cool, and uh, thanks um, – big thank you to uh, – UltimateGuitar.com, who picked up the Roy Orbison interview as well, and it's a big debate. You know, I've got some uh, emails about they want to contest what Roy says about uh, Pretty Woman versus Sweet Child of Mine. Is Sweet Child of Mine really, or I should say Pretty Woman, a derivative of, or vice versa, however you phrase it. Um, so it's just a great article about chord progressions and classic rock songs, so uh, thanks again to Ultimate Guitar about that. And I'd be remiss before, uh, you know... Um, uh, David calls up, not to thank our last guests, and I can't thank enough, like all of you with the amount of uh, positive feedback with uh, Teddy Zigzag and Roberta Freeman co-hosting. Uh, people saying it was the best episode. I mean, it's hard to argue. I, I don't know how I, it happened where you had a member, a former member of Guns N' Roses, basically interviewing another former member of Guns N' Roses. And uh, I do. If you did miss it, I mean, I'm assuming you did listen, uh, Miss Meadow. I never know because you're you're quite a busy gal. No, actually, I did listen. Sometimes I can't always listen the day they drop, but um, oh, I don't definitely that. Uh, one of my favorites because it just was like two old friends getting together and talking in a genuine way. And to me, that's when things are the best when they were just they're just genuine. So it was great to hear those two kind of talking about the old days, and you could tell they really liked one another. They really got on well together. It, it, it's so nice, especially in this GNR world. And it's funny when I spoke to Teddy the uh, the night before, kind of gets to go over what you know what's cool and what's not. And like I said, I I never know in this GNR world. And he's like, oh god, he's like, yeah, you can ask me anything. And uh, just to play this well, this one clip, just to show me, and I'll get your your reaction to it. Sure. Um, what Teddy and Roberta, because she's in the clip too, what they said, and he did not hold back about his uh, opinion. I think uh, Roberta will tell you that we thought that our incarnation of the Guns band was the best. Mm-hmm. You know, you know oh, I mean, the, <laughs> we had the singers, we had the horns, and everything was done live. You know, we had a, we had, well, I thought we had the, the best band. You know, there's all these yeah. different incarnations of the Guns and Roses now, but and you know, it, it's fine. But ours was something special. I mean, it's hard to argue with his viewpoint because that's was him now it's his life but he didn't hold that what do you uh think about it i think oh well i think all of us you know who've gone on this guns and roses journey together at different times in 
um, you know, their existence, all have our own favorite incarnation of the band. Sure. And obviously, he played with the band. That's always going to be something incredibly special to him and, and to her, you know, obviously. Um, but I think it's the same for the fans. I think we all came to know Guns N' Roses at different times and know our, you know, have our own preferences. I know people who prefer the Chinese democracy. Sure, lineup. sure. Um, so, so you have to argue that it really does depend on when you kind of joined this journey. And, um, you know, one could argue that as well, that, you know, he's right. They're, they had pretty much everything was recreated live. The user illusion tours were, there was none bigger, certainly at the time. And um, one could argue ever, I mean, one of the longest tours ever. So, so I could certainly understand where he's coming from. You know, um, I think any of us could argue a pretty good case for any GNR lineup if we, if we really had the chance. So yeah, that's how I feel. If you had the time, you can make the argument, and it's where you you grew up. And I told both of them that on the episode. I, November Rain is my favorite song. I really grew up in that Use Your Illusion era. You know, I was I was born right. in '83, so you know, for Appetite to come out in '87, uh, you know, I, I was listening to you know the soundtrack to the Muppet Babies at the time. I, I can't help it. <laughs> I mean, I, but I love all. Okay, we won't judge. <laughs> and you think I'm kidding? I definitely had the Muppet Babies uh, soundtrack on cassette. Hey, the Muppets were cool. Don't mess with the Muppets. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. And I always hated out in the Muppet Babies cartoon that you never see the nanny's head. Like she was just headless. I don't know. It was weird. Anyway, but I digress. Uh, but I grew up in that. I love all the versions. Obviously, the Appetite version is, I guess, maybe the most um, franchise-friendly. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's the again. It's the I grew up in the use your illusion era, and you're since you're, and I know you're a lady. You're I won't you know give away your your age, but you're a little bit <laughs> hey, older. I'm, I, I'm proud to say I'm 43, going on 44. You know, and uh, you're right. You know, my favorite incarnation of GNR is always going to be the classic lineup because that is when I came to know and love the band. So there's always going to be a special place in my heart. That doesn't mean my heart's not big enough for, you know, other members and other incarnations of the band, realizing that that's just a part of life, you know. And, and your knowledge um, is different. Not as, and, and that's why, because your yeah. knowledge of the band Junkyard and David Roach, who I believe is on the line with us now, see what I did there, Excellent. is a little yeah, bit... Uh, <laughs> I, nice hear you, I hear you, David. I hear David. Welcome. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Uh, my, this is Brando or Brandon, whatever you're you're more comfortable doing. I appreciate you taking the the time out today. Yeah, you bet. And uh, on the line, we we call her Miss Metal. I mean, by the way, this is all pre-recorded, so you can <laughs> you can curse. You oh, can, thank you know, God. Yeah. Who? My name's David. <laughs> so it's all you know pre-recorded. If if you need to, you know, you know, take a Miss, you know Miss? a whiz in the middle of it, and you say, hey, can we pause for a second? It's all good. All right. And yeah. I make it all fancy after the fact, but. Uh, officially, yeah. I'm the king of the brain fart, so that's great. <laughs> I'll make you sound good. Don't worry. I make myself sound good, so I think you're in good hands. Uh, and Ms. Meadows is a listener of this this podcast, and it's a very listener-friendly podcast. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that in a 10-second <laughs> span. but Because um, I, I just come from the world of radio, and they always say that they're very fan-friendly, and it's just, I don't know, you're calling up the winner – when Blue Oyster Cult tickets, if you're calling number nine, that's not very fan friendly. So they get right. they get yeah. involved in in the show, and she just tweeted at your um, your band's Twitter accounts at Junkyard Blues. What is it? B L O O Z E. Is that the uh, Twitter handle? Correct. Yeah. Yes. 
and you guys responded right away. And she kind of, it just kind of, this interview formed on social media with all the evils that social media is. <laughs> it it helped. So we, <laughs> we should probably have a band meeting about um, reacting so quickly. So we seem a little bit more mysterious. <laughs> kind of blow, blows our cool to uh, reply so quickly. And well, it also Hello? shows how desperate we are. Thank you for calling. <laughs> well, I didn't even tweet cool, the right person it. initially, which was embarrassing, but you somehow were able to answer me. So I appreciate that. My Twitter dumbness. <laughs> Still being yeah, able to reply to, was, was good. reasonable time into our busy schedules. No, and I appreciate it. And uh, and don't feel bad about it, Ms. Mano, because I think uh, Duff just tweeted at um, Classless Act, Sons, uh, Slash's Sons Band, because uh, yeah. he joined uh, Slash's Band on stage. I don't know. They they connected recently, and he tweeted at the wrong Twitter account and then fixed it because Twitter hey. doesn't have oh. a – yeah, it happens. No it's edit fine. button there. I, I My life needs an edit button, so obviously so does my Twitter page, but that's beside the point. <laughs> So. David, did you really think in 2018 you'd be having a new junkyard record talking about Twitter? Like, where, where <laughs> is this? Like, any part like, on a podcast? Like, ever, I'm saying oh. words that not ex- did not exist in no, uh, yeah, 1987. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was just going through some old photos, and there's like rotary phones in the picture and stuff. I'm like, what is? It? Oh yeah, I know. I remember those. It's um, so. I guess I, I want to start from. You know where you're comfortable starting from because you're from uh, L.A. initially because you come from a, no. Where are you from? The, forgive me. Did I'm it? from Austin, Texas originally. Okay, but the band is from L.A. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that that's my. I, okay, so I'm only half. I'm idiot. sorry, I, I forgot this was about the band, not me. Uh, I mean, it's a, as much about uh, the band or you, whatever you're comfortable with. I'm, I'm, I'm being sarcastic, but that doesn't translate well on radio, probably, <laughs> or podcast. I mean, it should. I mean, I'm I'm Jewish. I'm, we invented sarcasm, so I don't know. Maybe it's I haven't woken up yet. Okay. So so not, that's great. I haven't spoken to anybody from Texas. Everyone's from L.A. We get you know we'll get to that story when you form Junkyard. Eventually, yeah. Yeah, so how does a good old Texas boy get into rock and roll? And that explains a lot of the feel of the band, actually. Because uh, I'll, 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 well, I'll leave here, and then we'll, you will take off. One of the best uh, analogies I saw talk about one of your videos just today in, on a YouTube video that said they sound like Skinnerd meets Kicks. And there are plenty of Kicks bands, but not many with that Southern feel. So how did that, uh, where did that all start for you? Well, the, yeah. growing up in Austin, there was uh, all kinds of, you know, great music scene there. And so I was exposed to all kinds of blues and uh, outlaw country. And, you know, there's a big punk rock scene there that I was into. And uh, and just as a growing up, I was a, a rock and roller, you know, basically. So, but, you know, I took all these other elements and, you know, like, you know, you kind of filter all this stuff in, you know, it seeps in all, over the years and it just comes out, you know, and people say Skinnerd, but I don't necessarily hear Skinnerd, but if you have an accent at all, they, they, they say Leonard Skinner, but you know, it's easy Fair. pop and, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, they were, they were a part of my influence, but, um, but if you want to narrow it down to a couple of bands, yeah, I, I would say, well, you know, Leonard Skinner and, uh, you know, Sex Pistols or something. 
Yeah, I guess that's you can say yeah. the, the the lazy stereotype. If I, for me saying Skinner or whatever, it's just it, it has that southern flavor. And yeah, like I, I guess a dumb you know. Well, you're also from uh, you're from Jersey, um, is metal. So the, us dumb northeasterners, <laughs> we're like, oh yeah, it's all Skinner and NASCAR. Dude, we don't know. Guys, want to play some stickball? Yeah. <laughs> See, <laughs> give it back. I love it. He, he feels that he's been to the East Coast, <laughs> but yeah, I mean yeah. to be to be I hear I hear a lot of you know punk. Um, influences um, sure. to me the, the new record especially the the first uh the opening song on the record is just so motorhead to me it just sounds very motorheadish and i know uh that one of the um producers of one of your albums also produced a motorhead album as well i think your second major um label stadium. release six seven to nine yeah it's stadium i think you he, he might have worked with motorhead yeah, yeah. I, probably um ramones he did yeah he's worked in that area too yeah, I mean, yeah. our music is kind of a reflection of the music that we uh, all, my, me and my members, the fellow guys, uh, just grew up with and love, you know. And I, you know, we're kind of hard to label because our our songs, our music does reflect our kind of variety of influences. So, as a, a kid, what what was the first? Uh, concert you saw in Texas? What was the scene like? Because that's a lot of times oh. when we get to, you know, I'm from Long Island. You know, I know that scene with Twisted Sister and Joan Jett and obviously New York City oh, right. with uh, the Ramones and Blondie. We, we, we'll talk about, of course, the strip when it calls for it. But what what was the scene? We know what Austin is like now. It's like very, right. it's very hip I, now. I but what was it like for you growing up? Well, it was, you know, about a quarter of the size probably when I was in junior high. And um, I lived right down up the street from a place called the Armadillo World Headquarters, where everybody from I saw Black Oak, Arkansas to Devo there. Cool. And across the street was the Coliseum, and I saw everybody. You know, Rush, ACDC, Black Sabbath. You know, any rock band that was in town, I was there. And then as I grew, and my my tastes kind of varied, then. It, Anybody who came to town, I would try to see. I mean, everybody from Tina Turner to uh, Echo and the Bunnymen to Judas Priest, you know, just anything. Because I, you know, if anything with integrity, anything that's got, you know, I can tell that that they mean mean it. You know, it, it's that moves me. That's what that what that's that's the kind of music I like. Well, I think I think David, you came off that way. You know, back in the day as well. You know, it's just a genuine hard rock band and I think that's why so many people responded to Junkyard and you still have fans like me today that have been listening to you guys since you since I was a teenager so just thank you for that you know I think that's a big big difference what the fans respond to that genuine feeling you know when it feels contrived or or fake you know but you you never gave that off at all so thank you for that well no thank you thank you very much for saying so um I think that's you know why we're able to do this uh, you know, 75 years later and, uh, <laughs> you know, still, still people that died, yeah. you know, we haven't forgotten, you know, we, we, we know good music that stands the test of time, you know, and, and that's, you know, a, a, a lot of your music does just that. So it's, it's, it's great to hear you guys, you know, back again and, and making new music again. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I definitely wanted to bring you to the attention of, of Brando and, and anybody else, you know, that I can, that'll hear me, you know, on, on how much I, you know, think you guys are great and hope that, you know, with the new album too, people discover, rediscover you guys, you deserve that. Well, thank you so much. It was nice of you. Uh, it's, it's, it's always nice when somebody gets us. 
I think more yeah. people off, uh, you know, success is, is so, it's defined in so many different ways. And, you know, I mentioned that, that brief comment before just about the kick Skinner loose comparison. Uh, mm -hmm. But every comment was positive. And you know how hard that is, again, with how shitty social media is? And just everything yeah. about this band Junkyard is so positive. Well, that's because we have a, mm -hmm. we've been kind of um, under the radar for the last 20, 30 years, not putting out records. So uh, um, staying out of sight keeps you out of the um, target range, I guess. I mean, they could say that, I mean, we had Billy Rowe on from Jet Boy, and it's been a decade uh -huh. since the last Jet Boy record. And people could say, oh, why yeah. are they still making this music? But people are like, oh, this is so um, great. Yeah. We miss music like this with all the auto-tune today and the SoundCloud rappers. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It, you, uh. <laughs> my sentiments exactly. Uh, so it almost feels like an mm -hmm. untapped market in a way, you know. But we, 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 the fans, are keeping it alive. There's definitely people out there that want to hear this type of music. And maybe, you know, in a way it's better because it's going back to its roots of when it was unhip and uncool to like this. I, I'm certainly fine with that. I like what I like. I always have. And I never worried yeah. about anything else. So it's it's just great to hear it again, you know, and, and, and have the opportunity to, to, to you know, um, to get that kind of music again, you know, out there. Because there's a lot of young people that are into it, too. Yeah, that, yeah, I get some, you know, some younger people at the shows, uh, you know, yeah, my dad made me listen to you guys, and <laughs> you grew on me, and I'm like, all right, thanks to your old man. What did your um, dad um, uh, <laughs> listen to? What did your dad have you listen to, or your or your parent, family? I, like, where did my, the influences come from? I, I don't know what my dad listened to. Say, I mean, I remember he had, uh, my dad died when we were making the first record. I'm sorry. And, um. Okay. It wasn't your fault. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, um, what you say? <laughs> see, uh, I remember he, he took me to see um, uh, the Last Waltz, and oh. he had that soundtrack and uh, you know stuff like that. He he was kind of the same way, not to the extent as I am, but you know he listened to different kind of stuff, things you know, you know the Woodstock era bands and uh, you know just you know popular music probably more than I do. Sure, he was into but. My so, mom was a bigger influence musically than my father was. She kind of chronologically took me through the years, you uh -huh. know, the 50s doo-wop and Elvis and stuff like that. And then the, you know, Beatles, Stones, Zeppelin. And then I was out of the gate and running and discovering ACDC and Judas Priest and bands like that. You remember your first concert? From there. You remember your first concert? No. No. I don't remember my first concert. <laughs> I, I should, huh? Um it was probably a good one, though. I can say that. <laughs> yeah, there's all the bands. And also, they, they merge in with um, you know, the shows yeah. that I would go to. I mean, my mom would take me out in Austin to, just to the clubs. And, you know, I mean, he saw Stevie Ray Vaughan when he was 21 years old. Mm. And, you know, all these great blues musicians, you know, Albert King and Buddy Collins. It's, it's, you know, people, <laughs> I know they, they're going, who are these people he's talking about? No, I do. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's just. Now we know. You know Classic guitar, you know, and just great music, man. I was submerged in it growing up in Austin. So with all that, that, that love, cool. when did you decide, like, okay, I have to move? Because it's one thing to be like an Axl Rose and go from, you know, a small town to L.A., but, right. you know, talking to Roberta Freeman, who we've, we had on the show a couple of times, she came from New York City, and L.A. is where it's happening. Mm -hmm. So when did you, I guess, I don't know if it was at the same time, like, Hey, I want to do this for a living, and uh, then I got to move. 
Well, I'd never thought about, you know, I was young and dumb and, you know, didn't really think anything out too much. Uh, But my, my, I was in a band in Austin and we'd kind of done what we could do there. Uh, Austin at that time was sort of a REM kind of college alternative, you know, thing going on. We called it jangly guitar back then, Hmm. jangly guitar bands. And we wanted to play rock and roll and, you know, we, you know, we played around quite a bit, but, you know, it was hard to get a, much of a follow just because there weren't that many people interested in, in rock at that time in Austin. So we went to L.A. because my bass player said, that's, you know, it's, it's the rock scene's blowing up there, you know. Guns N' Roses, uh, I didn't even know if they'd been signed yet, but they were, you know, they were just on the verge of, you know, hitting, you know, becoming the biggest rock band ever since the Stones. Um, and, you know, Austin was a little bit, they just weren't, it, there just wasn't a big rock scene there. And, um, and once I, well, once you left, you're kind of out of the, the circle in Austin. They, they're kind of, they, they're kind of picky about or cut. <laughs> um, Austin, it's kind of incestuous in a way where they don't, you know, if, if you leave, they kind of give you the cold shoulder. They shun you? And that's what it felt like to me, at least, a little bit. I mean, we always we always did well when we played there, but uh, we didn't, I didn't get any, we didn't get any press or anything whenever we come to town because, wow. I don't know. I, I felt like it was. That's, that, it's always know, so, people, like, the know, opposite. Like, it's always like, the, you know, you want somebody from your home, hometown, especially those small towns to succeed. So, you know, that's disappointing yeah, did, yeah. to hear. Yeah, I was a little disappointed. I mean, I guess, you know, that that we didn't get any, you know, recognition from the, the local papers or the, you know, fanzines and stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. It's all right. Yeah, fuck them. Uh, so how did uh, – was Junkyard – uh, the first band you formed when you moved out, or how did that come about? Yeah, well, I moved out with um, my bass player, uh, who's actually a drummer in real life, and he it was me and him and our guitar player. Um, we got together, we ran into Chris Gates, who was also from Austin, had moved out to L.A. a year prior to us, and he was looking for a band, and we were half a band at that time, so we, we hooked up with Chris, and started jamming and um, there was a place called the sound check in LA that had Sunday night open mic. And uh, so we'd play there every Sunday for the first like six weeks we lived there or had moved there and um, started getting a name already, getting a reputation for being crazy, stupid drunk guys from Texas. And, um, you know, had a couple uh, lineup changes over the next couple of years and, that's when we got it solidified and signed, you know, took it to the road and had fun for four or five years. Hmm. And so Nirvana gave rock and roll the uh, much needed ass kicking uh, and uh, the grunge movement came in and the, and I don't blame grunge for destroying rock and roll. It probably saved it in a way, but because it was getting kind of stagnant and, you know, it's like the music business is it's like Guns N' Roses does so well that every other label goes, okay, we got to find another Guns N' Roses. So 200 bands get signed out of those 200 bands, maybe 
five percent of them are worth a shit. And and of those five percent, you know, maybe a handful of them achieve like real success. Now I'm proud of as far as we got. I get to see the world. I'm still seeing the world. It's mm-hmm. awesome. You know, I'm far from rich, um, but you know, I'll take it any day. You know, I don't have any regrets. And if you're if you're not going to be rich, which I'm not going to be, I've decided uh, after you know 40, 30, 35 years in the business, the next best thing would be to be considered like you know a cult kind of thing. You know, yeah, a cult following. Like the Rocky Horror Picture yeah. Show of uh, of rock bands. Sorry about Nirvana, but yeah. unfortunately there were some really great bands like yourself and, you know, the, some other bands that come to mind, Dangerous Toys, uh, Circus of Power, mm-hmm. really great bands that just never got their due because of Nirvana, you know, which I have my own um, thoughts, you know, sometimes on that because um does kind of feel like they tried to sell that as, as you know, the, you know, flannel and the, you know, a certain genre also to try to exploit well, that, you know, to sell well, that yeah. kind of music. So it's hard to, you know, it's hard to see you guys, you know, such a great band as yourselves, not maybe get the support you, you should have, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's not Nirvana's fault. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and oh, Kurt didn't Kurt want Cobain's it. Apparently very <laughs> sorry about it, hmm. but you know, the same thing happened to Seattle, you know, they, they got Soundgarden, they got Pearl Jam and they got Nirvana and a few other bands. And then, 300 other bands got signed too. Right. Didn't have right. the, you know, they had the flannel, but they didn't have the songs. You know, we, we had the songs, but we didn't have the makeup and the spandex. So that's what you know. in, the, in the end, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you, the way you are. a couple of decades removed. All that matters is the music or the songs, you know, like you said, the people right. can see through the shit, the crap and see the integrity and see what's real. And that's why we're able to do it today. So I'll take it. I think there's a resurgence uh, of that because look at it. You you go out and see Poison now; they're not dressing the same. If you you go out and see, uh, I mean, I know Twisted Sister is officially retired, but even the last tour or so, they don't dress in in the makeup anymore. I think it's 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 it's, there's a maturity to the look, but if the songs are there, that's what stays, and that's why you know another band comparison you guys would get a lot is Guns N' Roses because they. Had a look, but they also had the songs. That's why they were able to, mm-hmm. you know, be, have the success that they had. But yeah. if, if you guys had the songs, they're, they're, you always hear about management stuff and label stuff. How was signing with with Geffen for you? Did you feel included into in in some sort of vision that they had? Like, how did you? Um, he, yeah, I mean, like again, I was young and dumb, and it, it's yeah. I mean, it, it was. It was a kid in a candy store, you know, and um, you get taken out for dinner and backstage passes to anything you want and access to their library where you can stock up on CDs or whatever, you know, and you, you, you go to the front of the line and, you know, you're A-list for your duration and it's great. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> when you're dropped and you're not that anymore, then you know, it could be, or you know, the business is a just cutthroat, cold, but you know, so it's, mm. you know, it's just what it is. So yeah, in the beginning, I was 
totally stoked. And, you know, to be honest, I was stoked throughout. I mean, it's, it's you know, for all the bands that are out there, to even get as far as we did is, is, a, is you know, half luck, half miracle, at, you know. And, sure. And a little bit of hard work with great fringe benefits. So, you know, I'll take it. Why did you think that you were dropped or certain bands were dropped? I don't know if, um, you know, there there was a meeting and obviously we weren't invited or any other band, but all the record companies had a conference or something and said, what are we going to do? Oh, sure. But um, I, I think they, you know, they had to look at the numbers and what bands were selling what and and saying, okay, we've got to make changes. We got Unless they're making X amount, then everybody else has to, we got to clear the table and start new. And so anybody probably with the hair past their shoulders got dropped and, um, and the, the bands like Guns N' Roses that were big enough to sustain, uh, they kept. Unfortunately, you know, that's only a handful of bands at the end of the day. Were you close with any? So, yeah, your, a, you know, were you close with any like the label mates? Because uh, you mentioned the how incestuous uh, Austin could be, but L.A. could be the same. So were you? Oh yeah. So did you know any of the GNR guys or people in other bands I'm, going through the same only, stuff? You know, only like um, a nod and a handshake. How you doing? You know, I mean, I, I wish I could say, uh, yeah, me and Duff, were, you know, did an eight ball in the back of a limo. <laughs> and, <you know. laughs> Nothing that awesome, but uh, you know, you get to know a lot. Of, I mean, I I know more. I like the Jet Boy guys. I did an ACDC tribute thing with them way back when, and um, things like that that are in sort of our you know second tier kind of level. You know, we're not headlining arenas. We're support, you know, type bands. It's. You work with these guys, you know, you're in the same business for this many years and everybody, you know, it's kind of a tighter circle. So, um, you know, I know a lot of those, a lot of people that have seen in L.A. You know, just by proxy or just, you know, you go to the same events and the same, you know, backstage situations and stuff. But, I mean, yeah, it was fun. I mean, L.A. back then, it was just insane. It was, I mean, you... You think about musical uh, time periods like late 60s in San Francisco, early 70s in New York, and um, I think L.A. in in the late 80s, maybe the music wasn't as, um, you know, revolutionary or, you know, whatever you want to say, but uh, the scene was just crazy. I mean, every single night there was something to do. You know, it didn't matter if it was Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, you were up till three or four and just partying. And that was your job. They wanted the, your, your boss was saying, I need you out there getting wasted, hitting the streets, getting in trouble, go to work. Hmm. Like, okay, I can do that. Well, we didn't have the internet and things back then, you know, like we do now. We would all be half of us. Would be your, right, <laughs> the flyers out there and getting your image out there and getting that buzz started so that you could be picked up, you know, in a circus magazine and be featured. And a lot of us, you know, fans, that's how we would find out um, about some of these bands. Um, and we would just go to the record store and just buy the record, not, not even having listened to it, but because there was a buzz surrounding that particular band. Um, one of the reasons, you know, 
one of the ties into that is obviously Axl Rose wearing the junkyard shirt is right. such an iconic image because that had appeared, I think, in Circus Magazine. And I remember seeing it um, as, a, as a teenager and thinking to myself, wow, you know, I got to get that, you know, record, you know, that's and, and, and it did. It created a buzz and, and it's just just a different scene back then, a different um, space and time than it is today. Yeah, that. Um, thanks, Axel. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 what, what can you say? I mean, you can't buy that kind of publicity. Oh, I remember the Axel. night uh, we we were playing in a place called Circus Agogo, and uh, him and uh, Duff and Flash. Maybe I can't remember. Three or four of the guys came and uh, watched the show, and I think Axel came up and did a Rose Tattoo song with us, and uh, we happened to print t-shirts that weekend at DIY in our little crappy apartment. Hmm. We made a bunch of t-shirts and uh, we were just giving them away to try and, you know, as you said, trying to get the name out and everything. So uh, we got lucky and we got one to Axel and he probably woke up in it and went to the photo shoot. And and again, thank you, Axel. Well, it worked for me, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I hear here, that you know, from a T-shirt. I don't know. Yeah, it's such a different. I'm not sure where we'd be right now if it were for that. Mm. Did you ever get to? The evening. Did you ever get to reach out and talk to him about uh, wearing the shirt? Say, hey, thanks. Or. No, I've never seen. I mean, I, last time I think I actually was able to in a situation where he wasn't mobbed uh, was when they were shooting uh, "Welcome to the Jungle." It was at this club called the scream and uh you know i talked to him for a few minutes but uh i, I didn't remember if i ever thanked him personally but i'm sure he's over it <laughs> I, don't even, I wonder if he even remembers anything about us at this point uh, no i'm sure he does i'm sure he does so yeah at that that time like what was the process of making a t-shirt because I, I always hear about making uh like did you go out with crayons and markers? Like, how did you guys do the DIY shirt? <laughs> I think, because I, I, I believe it was, uh, you know, Billy Rowe who talked to us about uh, all the flyers that he would make in his room. So I just think it's so cool, the DIY stuff, because now, you know, it's so easy to make all these things with printers. Oh, yeah. And, I don't know. I'm just, I, well, I love the arts and crafts of it. So, yeah. Like the old um, punk flyers and stuff are so, like, collector's items now, you know. Yeah. Because nobody does that anymore. Things mass-produced or, you know, social media takes care of that. Um, we, in our situation, you know, and this goes back to sort of our the, our punk rock application to to do doing music, you know. Uh, bare minimum, you know, whatever, however you can make it work. And in our case, it was... Chris had a background in screen printing, so he was able to, you know, he knew what to, how to get what we needed, which is just shooting a, shooting the image on a silk screen and, you know, buying the ink and buying the t-shirts and, and, you know, screening them. Uh, it's not that hard. Um, but, you know, it, again, you know, you didn't have Google or anything to go, how do I make a t-shirt? Right. <laughs> you have everything there. It's all the information there at your fingertips. Oh, you can make one today. Just order a gross of T-shirts from this company and some ink from that company, and the you know all that. It's, you know, it's a more easier blood, to navigate the world these days. It, well, it's more blood and sweat and tear goes. Tears goes into what you did, and I always think of oh, it yeah. just in in my world with radio. I love talking to the real radio veterans. I mean, I know I've been in it for a while, but the ones who used to cut audio tape with uh, razor blades. 
and, yeah, and that's yeah. how pieced together audio. I would have bled out if that was just how radio still was. But mm. it's just now, obviously, with all these editing programs and software, I mean, that's how half these people become famous nowadays uh, is just through auto-tune. But now it's, you know, I like, again, to compare it to rock and roll, what you do and the blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, I'm, I'm just in constant awe, and I love hearing about, you know, what you had to go through just to be known, just to get your name out there, uh, which is such a contrast well, today. Well, yeah. Well, you would think, no, I mean, I think it might be even harder today because it's so, I mean, everything is just, you're saturated with everything. That's that, true, too. How, how, do, how does somebody up and coming even get any kind of, hey, I'm down here, look, look, you know, when, when people are just so inundated with stuff, you know. So true. Another, yeah. That, that, noise. that makes me think of uh, when I interviewed Mike Miley from Rival Sons. And it's like, why do we really only hear about Greta Van Fleet? And he just thinks maybe it's the people behind, you know, the younger bands. Like, how do you do it? Because there are so many bands out there. You know, that's why, mm -hmm. at least with you guys now making a, you know, having a new record, you had some you had some recognition, name recognition, you know, how much credit you, right. you want to give to yourself. <laughs> that's up to you. You know, you, you deserve it. So what has been your life like? Uh, the past several years, even prior to Junkyard uh, reuniting and reforming? Well, uh, let's see, we started doing shows again in the late 90s, you know, 98, 99. And um, yeah, initially, you know, the first five or six years, uh, you know, 92 moving onward, nobody wanted anything to do with, at least in the business sense, with rock and roll. You know, it was it was just dead, and my it, it felt like to me, um, and I just did what I you know took jobs you know construction or uh, cooking or whatever you know I can I know my way around the kitchen I know my way around the job site I I can do you know I'm a you know jack of all trades master of nothing <laughs> but um, you know you I do what everybody else does to survive you know I hear you. Um, and uh, getting the band back together is, you know, rule one is stop thinking about, you know, being successful and making a lot of money and all that stuff and just do it because you love to do it. And it's the only thing, you know, that brings you happiness, you know, and right on. You take that approach and, and then anything that uh, that happens afterwards is just frosting, you know, that's the right. And so that's what we did, you know, we yeah. pardon no, that's the right attitude to have. I was yeah, agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, as long as you don't you know, put too much stake in it, uh, at stake in it, then um, you just go ahead and enjoy it and remember why you did it in the first place, what what drew drew you to it. And so we did that, and we played, and people, you know, the, the 90s went away, and um, a, lot, a lot of our fans probably – had families and children and they grew up and out and now they have a little more expendable cash. And, and so they have, you know, they can go see junkyard on a weekend, you know, and you fill in the blank city, you know, <laughs> hopefully for another few years while I'm still, you know, able to get around on stage without a wheelchair, a cane or something. Hey, you can do it. I saw BB uh, King when he was 86 and he came out in a wheelchair. I think you can do that. <laughs> well, yeah, um, I know, I, you know, I'm not being uh, trying to be ageist or anything, but, um, 
for me personally, the way I like to perform, you know, I, I, I have to give it every, you know, ounce of what I have on stage. You know, I, I, I want to give them, you know, all my energy. And if I don't have the energy to do it, then I don't, you know, it's, then something's missing. And, then I look like Hank Aaron stalling around in the outfield mm-hmm. trying to chase down pop-ups and stuff. And I don't want to, you know, I want to go out with a bang. No, I hear you. And there are a lot of people who, you know, will talk about that, about Axel. And a lot of people are surprised that he can get through, you know, three-hour shows and do GNR and ACDC and do it, all of that. And again, you guys... Yeah, go ahead, Ms. Uh, Metal. I'm sorry. I can speak for myself, you know, as a fan. You know, when I get out there and I'm watching... a band that I love and all the aching mm-hmm. scenes go away and I'm rocking and the next day yeah. I can't get out of my bed practically. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there, there does I don't, seem I don't, a bit of magic to it, you know? Yeah, well, yeah adrenaline. Probably. Um, yeah. I don't know how Axel does it though. Three hours. I mean, that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I 45, 50, 55 minutes could, is, uh, is all I can handle anymore. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I've, I don't, we're doing ten shows in England in a row, and I haven't done anything like that since I was probably twenty-three. <laughs> so uh, that's you know still to be determined, yet to be determined. Well, I know it, it, it's gonna do great. It's it's hard for you know when you're such a like a front man who does move around a lot, like the David Lee Roths, and you know age happens. It's just all it happens. Yeah. And I think that if the, the songs are there and I think if the, the, the personality or aura, I don't want to get too hippie ish with it is there. I think yeah. fans can yeah. enjoy the show, but, um, I would be remiss. And, and thanks to Ms. Mental for bringing it to my attention. Uh, do you remember sharing the bill with, uh, Axel in 1987 at Perkins palace? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that was, yeah, that was when I, you know, one of the, you know, you're asking some about memories and stuff. That was when, where, for that moment, like I, I was legit. You know, like well, I, 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 here I am. You know, I've made it. Hmm. Sort of, um, you know, it's hard to describe, but you, know, you always have this. You're growing up seeing these guys. You know, seeing the bands that I loved. It looked unapproachable. It looked like something that it was. They were on this this uh, pedestal that couldn't be, you know, a place that it couldn't be achieved. And so, you know, when I was when we were opening for Guns N' Roses, you see all those people, and you know, it's like it justifies your, you know, what you've been shooting for, and uh, it's pretty amazing. I think it's pretty amazing that. Yes, you're able to have a moment like that in in your life, and all these years later, I mean, you're you're pretty uh, well grounded in in your understanding that you know uh, how appreciative and lucky you are to have had the success that you've had and have, but also mm-hmm. you know GNR is another thing or any you know the Stones, Beatles. I mean, they're that level because there are so few like that. But yeah. what I love about bands like Junkyard and and Jet Boy and bands still doing it from then. Like I feel like you're you're creating that that culture. When you're talking about like the underground culture and there's mm. something to be said for that. In this day where there's yeah. not much tangible where everyone's at a screen, you know, people are, you know, not even going to sporting events as much because they're watching it on TV, but to have access mm. to a band like you with the history that you have, I think that's something really to be proud of. 
I, I am. Yeah, thank you. And uh, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, you know, I mean, like I said, most people don't get one opportunity. And, you know, we've, we've given, a, given a second you know, lease on life, so, you know, in our rock and roll life. Right. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're in the midst. I just came up from L.A. Uh, last night from rehearsal. We were writing new songs for uh, another album. So I'm having a, a sophomore slump at, you know, in my early 50s, <laughs> which is a, it, what a great problem to have, you know? Right. So what is the, um, I mean, you have the uh, a new record out now, so where are you uh, today? What should we know about David Roach and Junkyard going forward? Well, we're going to hopefully be a lot more busy than we were last year. Uh, I think we lost a lot of the momentum from that from that record because we got a lot of good reviews on it and stuff and um, from just some snafus we didn't uh, get out as much as I'd hoped we could and this year we've got a new manager Scotty Ludwig who uh, works with um, LA Guns and um, God enough to know he works with a bunch of guys but um, we're going to be busy hopefully we're going to try to get a new album out sometime in the first quarter and um, play as much as possible while we're young. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. Well, I hope you do. You guys had a great uh, great response to the album, too. I heard it, it actually charted on, on Billboard as well. So, yeah, I mean, big, great response to it. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's, yeah, we've been fortunate for sure. And Yeah, no, no, like, glaringly bad reviews. It was all positive stuff, so... Yeah, I think you know. There's the there's not that appetite for rock as there was when we were younger. But um, you know, the people that are people that still love rock, um, you know, they they you know they're 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 just glad to see it still happening. You know. Yeah, number. Um, thanks for bringing that up, Miss Metal. Number twenty four, a Billboard Hard Rock album sales uh, through May uh, of last year that it ranked. I mean, yeah. and selling records. Like, how hard is that to do nowadays as well? And so you're doing it, man. You know, whatever. You, and I understand this, you know, again, being in radio, I think Howard Stern has all the radio money and the rest of us is not, have nothing. As, as long as you enjoy what you do. <laughs> I don't know. He keeps it in a vault over at Sirius. When I was working there, he has a whole separate wing. Like, you can't even go in there. But that's a whole other. I can imagine. That's a whole other story. I would think he had his own uh, floor or something. He comes up through uh, an elevator uh, downstairs. Mm-hmm. The only time I ever saw it was when I I uh, had to go get my my meet human resources when I first started working there, because it's like a freight elevator. Anyway, that's <laughs> I'm not at that level where I have a uh, an elevator to my name. Yeah, but oh. I, I love what I do, and it's clear that you uh, love what you do, and you're still doing it, and it's so well received, and so you're getting. It's not like you just you're just enjoying doing it. You're getting it back. Which I think is great, and that's something I I also got from uh, uh, Christopher Thorne from Blind Melon was making a nice living being a producer, and now he's making less yeah. money to be on tour with Blind Melon because he loves it. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, again, it's something to be said. So we'll be on the lookout uh, for you guys. So junk at junkyardblues.com, I believe, is also the the website. In addition to the the Twitter handle, right? Yeah, and uh, and there. Um... End of the year, we're doing uh, Oklahoma, some shows in Texas, and uh, working on that album. And yeah, like I said, hopefully getting everywhere we can be in uh, 2019. 
Well, hopefully you come bring to the, the uh, rock. Yeah. Well, bring the rock to the uh, the East Coast, you know, whether it's Jersey where Ms. Metal is or um, and there's a great rock club. I'd be surprised if you didn't play it on Long Island called uh, Revolution in Amityville. Look up, t- look it up. Uh, Faster Pussycats played there. L.A. Guns have played there. Hookers and Blow. Yeah, no, our, yeah. We having this new manager. He, he's he's he'll have us. Uh, yeah, nice. You right. know, he works with Faster Pussycat as well too, I believe. So yeah, we're gonna. If he's got those guys there, he'll get us there too. So nice. So when you're here, you're more you than welcome to be in studio or. You know, I'd love to meet you and uh, finally see myself a junkyard show. Yeah, 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 man. It's, yeah, I mean, from what other people say, I would never say this about myself, but we put on a great show. I mean, I've watched uh, ever since that's I... What the, I that's what the word is. <laughs> it, it is, and that's the word I, I read. And ever since, uh, you know, you agreed to do this interview, I've been watching a ton of your live videos from, you know, yesteryear and more recent, and... I can't wait to see it live up up close in person, uh, but in the meantime, well, again, man. yeah. But in the meantime, this is uh, pretty satisfactory. This is pretty great. So I appreciate your your time today, David. Unless uh, you know, Miss Metal, the the one who put us all together here today. If you have any other questions, thoughts while we have them. Oh gosh, I mean, I could probably go on and on. <laughs> well, now is the time. <laughs> I, I'm sure David probably has some you know better things to do today, but uh, yeah, uh, not really. I'm glad you're not a football guy. Thanks for all your, I, you know, I am a huge football guy. For some reason this year, I just haven't been watching. Who are you a fan of? I mean, I got the TV on now, but well, I grew up, I was born in Dallas. Oh no, you're a, so I'm a Houston Oilers fan. I should have. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. But I don't have the, you can be New York. Wait, no, I actually have a Houston Oilers hat and I almost wore it today. Really? Yeah, I have. Hi, what's your connection? I grew up a nerd. I just have a lot of. I mean, I'm a Giants fan, and I have my teams: uh, Giants, Islanders, Knicks, and Yankees. But I grew up with a, a big jersey collection and hat collection. I usually, I still wear them now. Where, yeah. like now, it's cool to wear retro stuff and be hip. I just because I'm a, I'm a yeah. nerd, and these are things I've had since I was 12 that still fit. Uh, so yeah, it's I'm uh, a nerd too. Mm-hmm. I have a um, Houston Oilers uh, belt buckle. Actually, <laughs> that's worse. <laughs> a belt buckle. And, I, and, I'm a, and I'm an Eagles fan, so oh, go figure, God. right? Oh God, go I wish figure. I. You're lucky you didn't tell me that before, Miss Metal. This would, episode would not have happened. <laughs> I know you might not have had me on the show, and he, and David might not have talked to me. <laughs> but it's uh, I love the hat. It's uh, that the baby powder blue, um, and with a red brim. So uh, Houston Oilers. But yeah, as a Giants fan, they suck this year. So. I'm not even mentally in, in it. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Cowboys yeah. aren't so good this year either. But I'm a Texas Longhorn fan. And they're doing well this year, so. All right. Well, since I have uh, there you go. since Hofstra has no football program anymore, I have no college affiliation. So go Longhorns, <laughs> as I do the uh, the horn sign. Hook them. Yeah, hook them. Hook them horns. There you go. Thank you so much, uh, David, and just uh. Thank you, Brandon and Miss Metal. Appreciate all your support through the years. Awesome. Always. And, uh, Always. Thank you so much. Hope to see you guys on the, a, on, the, yeah. on the East Coast this, yeah. next year. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I missed you. Unfortunately, I missed you in 2017. I know you played at the Kung Fu Necktie. I think it was in Philly. And I is that, Are you in Philly? This middle? Uh, no, I'm outside of Philly. I'm, I'm right across the bridge in Jersey. So We got a, we got a fan group called the Drunkyard Brigade, and uh, a bunch of those guys, are, a handful of them are from uh, Philadelphia. Oh no, Ken! I'm not Shout out to Nick Mitch and uh, Tommy Red Flopster. <laughs> <laughs>
They're, but they're eagles, like nut jobs. <laughs> I'm sure. The, well, very I'm sure, cool. I'm sure they're wonderful people. Well, David, again, thanks, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. Thanks so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a good day. Thanks. There he goes, David Roach, Junkyard. I think he did a great job. Doesn't do many interviews. Uh, I enjoyed the conversation. Hopefully I did I did well, too, because, you know, I'm still learning, too, and I don't want to interrupt too much, and um, so hopefully I, I did okay also. No, you did great. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned off the air um, that, like, you were kind of prepping to be co-host, which is just so fun. Yeah. Like, I get it. I guess I'm kind of jaded to the industry, and I, I you oh. know, I think people think I'm more— I mean, I'm prepped for the show, but there's more I can do. I'm just one guy, and well, I have like I think other if you jobs. knew me as a kind of like knew me as a person, I'm just kind of like a little like that. I, I'm a little anxious about things, so I like to be prepared and just uh, you know your average weirdo, I guess. No, oh, no. <laughs> so, I'm your own average weirdo, how... so I get it. No, I, I get it. But you were great, and I, I you know I've joked with you know like Remco and uh, you know other who have co-hosted uh, Sir Kev yeah. or Ray, and they. You know, I love them all, but they just don't know what to say during it. And that's why I kind of like I'll throw them a question or give them the fan questions to ask because I don't want yeah. the co-host to be quiet. I want them to, you know, be a co-host right. with me. But I know it's well, a lot. Because that's what I was thinking, too. Like I, that's what you more what you wanted, you know, like I, I'm, I'm interested in con- contributing a little bit more to it, especially because I knew you were a little bit. You, you didn't really know maybe a, a little bit about them. So, well, that's true. Um, hopefully I helped out. Yeah. Well, no, you... I want to help you out too, Brandon. You know, like I care about your show and I enjoy your <laughs> okay. show and I want you to do well, you know, as a person. So well, I don't want to come that. on here and suck. Because no, <laughs> no. And, and that's you know, not good for you. No one, so. no one sucked. And there's nothing I, I, I quote unquote want. I just want people, I invite fans like you yeah. or, you know, Ray from the UK or whoever on, I just want you to enjoy the experience. That's the only thing that I yeah. want and everybody has. So that's that's all well and good. I just want to go going forward, if there is another opportunity like what you did and let's say somebody else sets up an interview for me and they're, you know, I welcome them on to be a co-host. Just know yeah. that you are a part of the show and there's not some sort of behind the scenes you can't talk no it just happens to be no. like a lot of these uh people they just don't know what to say and i get it because i still remember broadcasters i still know, remember the first nervous, thing I, probably i still remember the first thing i did uh on the air which yeah. was at uh which was at hofstra at the radio station i didn't have a show there yet but i read what was called the the pit report on the aggressive uh-huh. edge which was basically all the the in-town local uh, metal shows. And I remember how beat red I was. I remember shaking. So I I, I, I get it. Even though it's a podcast and it's pre-recorded, it's not live sure. radio. But So I get it. No, you did a great job. And, you, you know, I, I, I'm a junkyard fan now. I really didn't know much about them before. And that's what this podcast really great. is yeah. for me. And not just for everyone listening, but for me, is to learn and to have these unique conversations and – yeah, this is perfect. We, you know, what I this is what I want in, in another way. Right. Is right. he comes on loose affiliation with GNR, opened a show with him way back when Axel wore a shirt, a shirt of them way mm-hmm. back when. But we have a nice little conversation about like what success is, you know, uh, and how you're supposed to look at it. Like he's in his fifties and how he's living mm-hmm. his life now. You know, there's a lot of guys like that regardless of what industry you're in 
but it's like, oh, wow. You know, if you're, uh, I don't know, if you're, I guess I have to use this analogy because it's one that I know. Say you're a dentist, um, referring to my dad, and maybe you're not as uh, successful as others. You can't look at it that way. You had to look at it, everything else. It's all so many variables to how life works. So, uh, well, I think it's just, you know, you got to be yourself in life and the other comes, either comes or it doesn't come. And I think that was his point is I'm just doing something that I love and I'm not looking to be rich. I'm not looking to be famous, but I'm doing something that I love still. And I'm blessed for it because let's face it, how many of us can be doing something we love into our 50s? you know, and still have a dream in a sense, you know, by that point in your life, you know, most of the time it's kind of already written for you. So I, I, I commend them for coming back and you see, there's still fans out there like me that exist that are still interested in them. And um, they were just such a part of my soundtrack of my life growing up that band, you know, along with guns and the, you know, dangerous toys and those other bands that just, I kind of feel like they got the shaft from grunge. And, you know, I, I know, to me, grunge was really just punk rock and hard rock anyway, just kind of repackaged in a flannel, you know, and, and <laughs> villainizing a whole genre of music that I loved that I wasn't going to stop loving because some record exec told me not to love it anymore. Yeah. So, and since I'm a, a little bit of a bracket younger, it's like I grew up with that really being my childhood, the Nirvanas and the Soundgardens. And I still yeah. like the hair metal, what was called hair metal or, yeah. you know, whatever, Unfortunately, or, or, but yeah. arena rock or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. But I always just took it like I just like this sound and that sound. You know, I really wasn't right. divisive one way or another, but I could see how the labels, of course, uh, did that. Right. And that's why it's, you know, even though I don't like Bon Jovi, it's a, it's amazing a band like that can survive, how GNR can survive, and, you know, how sure. Poison's still doing it. You know, it's uh, it, it really it's something. And there's a market for Junkyard to tour. There's a market for and it. When, right, and when we were living it back in the day, there was no saying that was going to be the case. You know, especially when grunge came. I mean, rock was seemingly dead. And, and I lived through all that, you know, and I, it's it's incredible for somebody who's lived through that to see what we're seeing today, this, this incredible resurgence in the genre, in the bands that I loved growing up, you know, seeing them again all these years later. It really is mind-blowing. makes you wonder what kind of music today, if any, could have that kind of staying power. I, I, don't, I don't know that a DJ spinning records would have the same effect I think you know, on your life that, that about you know, that, yeah. junkyard songs from 89, I'm still listening to in 2018. It's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, I'm sure even he had no idea that was going to happen. You know, I think about that all the time, you know, especially I'll look at somebody like, you know, it's a name that I'm surprised that I don't know. He's like famous, but not to a certain bracket of people uh, mm -hmm. post Malone. And maybe in the GNR world, you know, of that name because he was he was at the slash show, uh, yeah, uh, at, at, I've heard at, that name. He's massive to the younger audience, one of the SoundCloud kind of rappers, but and does all the mm -hmm. all over the radio. And it has a, most people might know him because he has tattoos on his face. I mean, because I guess you ah okay. Yeah, see, that's how you know. <laughs> I, I know you're referencing yes because he grew up on the, the mumble rap, right? Yeah. is that that's the new term for it? I, yeah, more or less because he grew up on the mean streets of Syracuse. Uh, he needs yeah, to... well. <laughs> no joke, he was on Jimmy <laughs> Fallon's... Kind of like the mean streets of Buffalo, isn't it? I mean... <laughs> exactly. The, the mean streets of Dix Hills. Like, I can't... It, it's like... Sorry. And I, that's, I mean, I look at him, and, you know, he's praising Slash, and he's trying to play Nirvana covers at his show. It's like, wow, he plays guitar. Wow. 
we're not going to be hearing about him and Cardi B in ten years unless they kill somebody or you're, you're ta- thinking you're talking about who they're dating, like not the actual music. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. They're the story and not the music itself. And I think that's the difference. This this music had a staying power where the image did not, and that's okay. We don't want that image to remain. We want to block that out. But the, but the truth is, it's the music itself. You, you know. I mean, a lot of bands had that kind of over-the-top image that have still have a lot of respect, like Annoy Rocks, you know, who who were, you know, innovators, but yet they don't get lumped in, it seems like. You know, obviously they had the, the innovative music, but I'm just saying, like, that image, you know, it's really not, at the end of the day, it's the music that really is what has the staying power, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's why Poison is still able to do what they do, because they don't dress up the way that they do, sure. uh, other than Brett Michaels with the... Uh, the weave, the bandana, and the hair, and the the cowboy hat, but um, it's there's no, you know, uh, I think a- it's a pressure to chaps. look good in a in a image uh, driven society that really drives these guys nuts, you know. And and look at you know poor Axel, what he has to go through, you know. It's, and he's mostly fat shamed and shamed by men, which is even it's unbelievable, to isn't me, it? But yeah, it is. I mean, when I see all the hate, it's almost always male, and I always find that so fascinating because the women still don't seem to care but the men are the ones that really like to knock him down a couple pegs it seems now that you mention it i really have observed that with the comments whether it's uh, on my page whether mm-hmm. it's blabbermouth alternative nation whatever that you're right, right. it is the men commenting on his looks and i always see a woman saying i, I i'd still fuck him <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I still wouldn't kick well, him out of bed you know it's uh women still know he's axel rose and, <laughs> yeah. and, and that time is going to change you and you're not going to look like axel rose in 88 but you know but, but it seems like the men are really i have to say you know from my own you know little observations and things online sure. you know which i have many <laughs> yeah no we, <laughs> but, we that's have, one yeah. of them yeah. No, that's a fair point. And it made me think, and I didn't want to bring it up before with Shotgun News, but, you know, we could talk about yeah. it uh, at the end. And that's like why this podcast was formed, I think, when even Ian and I started it, is there was a story about, about uh, uh, I mean, TMZ picked it up. So it's not even like just rock sites, mm-hmm. but that's Perla's uh, divorce party. And I didn't even, like, post anything about it because it's just, I don't want to incite those kind of comments. I mean, look at all the comments that right. the Axel's appearance gets. That's where my brain is going right now. So just trying to avoid the best you can negativity, and I try to do it in a conversation right. on a podcast, but then again, quotes are taken from it. Uh, and Yeah, which is not really within your control. Unfortunately, that's the environment we're living in. I actually did find the, the Alternative Nation, pod, you know, that podcast you had was – Brent, Brent Buchanan, actually kind of fascinating, you know, in, in a lot of ways, because you do have that now. It really is the headline. So, And I know people don't even read the article. They just look at the headline and they almost form an opinion. Oh, sure. The headline, which is sure. really frightening to me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, it's uh, absolutely it's uh, it is pretty scary. And you know, the reason I'm mentioning it, because it had, uh, you know, a former guest and I consider a friend of the show, uh, London mm-hmm. Hudson, it went to his mom's divorce party and. You know, I know what I went. My parents never officially got divorced, but they were, you know, before my dad passed, he was, they were kind of like on the outs. I mean, he was living in an apartment. Right. I mean, I know what I went through emotionally like that. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I and you, whatever, you know, your life story, you can include whatever. I'm a child of divorce. Okay. Um, I'm also once divorced. So I think I could probably speak on the topic pretty right. so No children of that first divorce, but, you know. I don't know what it's like to have a divorce party. I've never been married. 
mm-hmm. but I just I just can't help but think of the kids, and I I don't right. even want to comment agree, yeah. on, you know, if if he wanted to be there and have fun with it, they they all dressed up as famous divorcees. Uh, London was Tommy Lee, Perla right. was right. Zsa Gabor. They had a a slash cake that it was like kind of like dropped on him, but and if they have yeah. their a, a, I, there's no doubt in my mind that he loves both of his parents, and that's how I just I. It's so hard to like. How do you put that into an article? How do you talk about it? We shouldn't even talk right. about it. But I look at David. Would you even want to reach a level as GNR and then have your family spoken about publicly like this? Mm-hmm. So it's just yeah. it's something that's been on my mind because it's again it's TMZ's no, actually, reporting I'm, it. I'm, so many I'm, stories about it I'm, lately. I'm with you, actually, because I I do look at these I do look at these as people, as human beings. And I think sometimes we feel an ownership over them because of the music or we feel like we own a part of them when in reality we really don't. They're human beings just like us and they get hurt just like us and they have a life just I mean, this is their life. They have to live. So I I, I hear you. I kind of tread lightly on that, having gone through my own experiences in life and knowing what I've gone through and. You know, it, it, there, it's not so over the top to say that I could relate to some of these things because we are all human beings. And, oh, yeah. you know, divorces, you know, the whole divorce party thing, in my opinion, is a little strange anyway. You know, like when I had my, you know, breakup, you know, I went out with a couple friends and we had a couple drinks and we talked, but I didn't throw a full on. Well, you also don't Um, have the amount of money that she has. True. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe if I had, I would have built a cake with my axe baked into it. I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. It was it it was interesting. Let's say I'll use that word. Uh, choice. Yeah. I hope everyone involved is is happy. But it was too much in the news and on every outlet possible. And I I'm always like, what do I talk about on GNR or Shotgun News? But those are the sensational the stories. I hate to say that back in the day that the magazines would have just been gnashing at the teeth to get at that. Oh, of course. I think that's why there's so much distrust, obviously, between guns and the media to this day, because, you know, I lived through that. And I remember it was was a lot of negativity. And, you know, of course, it it, it probably hangs with them, you know, to this day. And what I like to do is while unfortunately there's no control we have over over that being just a story in itself. I mean, you can go back to You know, even before social media, people following paparazzi of, you know, Clark Gable or whatever mm-hmm. uh, is right. on my platform. What I would like to do is get away from the distortion of it all and be like, hey, if you're out there saying stuff about Perla, maybe the, you, you can have your own opinion. But I guess, mm-hmm. again, I can't help but think of, you know, London. He's on social media. Cash right. is on social media. And uh, I will say. And, and again, how my brain works. I'm glad that I'm able to bring you on today to, to, you know, a thank you, of course, but have the platform to have you talk to somebody you grew up listening to. Uh, that I'm able to do that. But I was also able to have some of my friends uh, come meet Disturbed uh, the other day here at iHeart. If you go on my Twitter and and Instagram, you could see me my awkward uh, pose with <laughs> with Disturbed. But I can't. Ever since he said it, David Draymond at the at the show, it was a little uh, record release party uh, in the theater down here in uh, at iHeart, and he was talking about the world of rock and how we're so we beat up on each other. And he's like, I still miss Chester, you know. I I, I still mm. I it's it's all relates. So I can't help but be triggered in a way. Yeah, that that's a word. Anytime someone says shit about like an Axl Rose or even like a Perla who. My kind of viewpoint, my personal viewpoint on initially when she's like, I miss my best friend, 
It's like you mm-hmm. don't know what she's going through. You don't know what these people. You don't yeah. know what Slash is going through. You don't know what London's going through. So, I whether it's talking about G G and R news in Shotgun News or talking to somebody like David Roach or someone like you, uh, I try to get the conversation to hit a point where it's not negative because it doesn't need to be. You know, it's. So that's where I yeah. think the, the Pee Wee theme of the day is because uh, I think David Roach had a nice little uh, viewpoint on his life and where he is now. So that's that's my uh, that's my ending yeah, soliloquy, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I do too. I'm I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm I'm definitely more on the side of the positive things and not try to you know when I seem to be dwelling a little on the negative, try to pull myself, yank myself back from that, as I think we all should, you know. Trying. We're all trying, so I, you know, I appreciate all, all the uh, the wonderful feedback that you know you'll give me uh, privately um, that I just get from all of you out there. Whether it's you know, I, I just got a message saying I just found you, Alternative Nation, and they listened to the Greg Buckwalter interview first, and she's like, was, and I, I posted the review. Uh, you can leave reviews on our Facebook. Um, it, that means the world. People that just found us on SoundCloud, on on Spreaker, on Stitcher. Uh, we're now on Google Play, um, and, and now we're also on on YouTube. We had the first, I believe, thirty five episodes up. Uh, our friend Raz Q is helping doing some of the uh, the the graphics design for it. And before we get out of here, speaking of graphic design, because I know while we first were introduced to you, Miss Meadow, because of the fucking YouTube copyright shenanigans. <laughs> oh but, yeah, well, talking about negativity and positivity, I right? Know, but we're turning into a positive because you're helping out uh, right. GNR Central now. Yes, I am actually. Uh, so I've been doing a little video series. I just got started. My first video was um, Annoy Rocks, but it's featuring bands that influence guns, and then we're also influencers of guns. So run a little poll on my Twitter page if you'd like to follow me on Twitter. It's MS underscore metal, and I'll be putting another poll up. I just finished the second video, which is uh, on Skid Row. You guys voted, and um, and then it's a lot. Of, it's been a lot of fun. It's it's all about turning something, you know, unfortunately that was a little negative into something positive as, you know, we were discussing earlier. And uh, so I'm helping out the GNR central crew at the same time. So um, thankful to them guys for, you know, getting me out there, you know, and getting <laughs> me seen um, by featuring a couple of videos way back when on my little channel that sadly no longer exists, but it's, it's all about the past, I guess, and the journey we all take. So yeah. here I am. Oh, I hear you. And uh, yeah, that, while, yes, there are uh, copyright issues with, um, I think there was like a massive hack in, in Facebook and uh, yeah, you know, Twitter. Like that. that all happens, but GNR never commented on channels being shut down, you know, just to kind of. No. It's just very disappointing that, that, that they said nothing about it. Uh, just saying, not even like it's. No. Whatever. I don't even know what to say. I'm with you. I kept hoping there would be something because I know obviously the information made it to where it needed to go, but they have to handle it the way they see fit, and I respect that. I think I need to I mean, it would be nice at at some point, you know, to hear an official announcement would be nice. But, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, move on and and do my best with that, you know. Yeah, I think I'm going to wait to either uh, Downsy or uh, Russ TCB from my GNR. Uh, come back on to really delve back into the copyright stuff because I know they, uh, at least Downsy, uh, had some contact with with uh, Fernando. Mm-hmm. And again, yes. some acknowledgement because so many fans in, in so many different countries, not for the, like the YouTube like real reasons, even though YouTube can suck at times, 
like for hacking reasons, like whatever. That's right. A, that's a, right. This is a whole other and, fucking and episode. Was, <laughs> but that was, you know, that was my concern. I didn't want the band that I love to be misrepresented by anyone. That was really, you know, at the end of the day, I know the channel's not coming back and that's okay. I just felt that those in, at the powers that be should know that, you know, and, and that information from what I understand was brought forth and I'm kind of, you know, I'm taking myself, I guess, somewhat out of it somewhat, you know, I still support anyone that's affected or hurt. Well, you found homes at uh, at GNR Central and here at the A of D show, so we we move on. Yeah. We move on. <laughs> pretty good, good, pretty good homes to have. So I'm yeah. I'm, I'm I'm stoked, and, and you know the opportunity like this, you know, it's it just be able to talk to David today was just a a beautiful thing. So yeah, I thank you, you know, and thank you for you know setting it up. Just an interview that would not have happened without yeah, by you know, accident. <laughs> yeah, I know you specifically and the collective you, the listener for helping me put this together, much like, which I think is going to be the next episode, our, our rescheduled interview with our Howard Teeman, uh, T-Man, uh, was it T-Man Studios, who did some of the artwork for Lies, Use Your Illusion, who has a great tattoo studio out. Uh, Mr. Raz Q is going to co-host that one as well. Uh, that should be the next episode. That. Yeah, so, uh, so do I. Another great. episode, and I think that was initially recommended by uh, Desi Benjamin. So it's like you guys are all helping me create this through 88 episodes so wow what we get into triple digits i don't know what i'm gonna do uh so go, t- go team bad apples right <laughs> oh yeah that's i should have done that i i always get so focused in the conversation i forget about my sound clip sometimes there you go you, you know you're there a bad you apple miss metal you know that <laughs> all right you get a twofer uh, all right. So first for the uh, so as far as the next episode of the AFD show, when you're going to see it? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it.